Hey everybody, Morley Scott here. Welcome to a brand new initiative with the Elks. It's a new podcast. I know you're thinking just what everybody needs, another podcast to listen to. Well, if you're an Edmonton Elks fan, you're going to want to listen and watch this podcast because it's going to be all about the Elks. We're going to talk to players, we're going to talk to coaches, we're going to talk with people associated with the team, and most importantly, we're going to hear those great stories that all those people have. We're going to talk about the team. Here's the situation. Podcast is going to drop once a week. It's going to fall the day before the game. We'll probably tease you the day before that, but the podcast will drop the day before every game all season long. As I say, we'll talk to players, coaches. We're going to get some great behind-the-scenes stories. Now, we got a new podcast, so we need a name for it. So we had a meeting. We got everyone together. We thought long and hard about it, and this is what we came up with. This is Antler Up, Episode 1. Let's go. Edmonton, the Elks are on the board. There it is, and they're up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. Cornelius will throw to the outside to Shy Ross. At the 10 to the 5. And they're up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. Well, here we are, first episode of Antler Up, and we went right to the top to get our first guest, Chris Jones, coach and general manager of the Edmonton Elks joins us. Chris, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, you got this job in December. Tell me about that four, five, six month stretch to get to now. How busy were you? It's, uh, it's been the busiest I've ever been, actually. I mean, uh, you know, my family and, and all the coaches, they're, they're amazed at all that we've been able to get done. I mean, I'm fortunate to been able to uh, put together just what I feel like is a, an outstanding football staff, and we've assembled what I feel like is a real good roster. So we'll see starting tomorrow. Did it go smooth? Oh, uh, there, any hiccups yeah, the there were some bumps in the road. There always are. I mean, uh, you know, there were some, you know, operational things that we had to get corrected, and there was some, you know, personnel things we had to get corrected. We had to work through some of the stuff with the coaches, but overall, I'm pleased at where we're at. It was a big job. Everybody knew that coming in here. Whoever got this job, uh, it, it's a big job after what we saw last year with three and eleven. Was it even bigger than you thought once you got into it? Uh, you know what? I mean, they, they've all been big. You know, in the past, uh, we've got some very good guys on the roster already. There were, you know, there were some guys that we retained off last year's staff. Uh, you know, operationally, we do, you know, some of the stuff that they've done. So they've done some good things in the past. It's just a matter of molding that all together. Yeah, you, you talked about guys on the roster. You obviously, you, you kept guys, some key guys. You had a lot of turnover, though. Uh, give me your thought process on turnover when you come into it take over a team like that how much is too much and how close did you come to that line do you think yeah well i mean you have to you know you're looking at things statistically i mean you're going to look at things analytically so uh you know it's it's kind of like uh, uh in baseball they they put a guy you know if they're going to pinch hit for a guy they're going to be a guy that can get on base and so that's kind of what we you know analytically we looked at everything uh from from a to z and uh that's kind of like what we based off of uh, and obviously Every GM likes the team and coach likes the team he's put together in the offseason. But just tell me your thoughts on the guys you're able to get and, and what kind of team you think you're going to have this year. Yeah, you know, well, we, we won't talk about any one individual or anything like that. We've never been, you know, a one-sided type deal. I mean, uh, like I say, we're excited about our offensive staff. We're excited about having our special teams guys here. And with that being said, uh, you know, we're going to try to give them the best players that we, that we can find. Uh, certainly with the, the restrictions of having, you know, just six workouts. I mean, it just allowed us six opportunities to get out and, and find some players. Uh, at the same time, we had to stay on the phones and had to take recommendations, had to look at a ton of film. And, uh, but we felt like we put together an outstanding, you know, group of guys um, 
you know, in that locker room. So that's what we look forward to seeing starting tomorrow. Go back to 14-15 when I first met you and got to watch you work uh, and now through this offseason. The first thing I kind of learned about Chris Jones is he's always working. <laughs> you're, you're scouting, you're watching video, you're making plans. You seem to always be working. Tell me about your drive. Where, where did you get your drive to, to work like you do? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, my whole family's always been workers. Uh, you know, my, my granddaddy, I know one time we, it, he picked up trash down in, uh, he was a coal miner and uh, didn't have a high school education and we were uh, working one Sunday picking up trash for church and he's picking up every single cigarette butt every little and I'm like you know why you know he made three three dollars and 35 cents an hour is what he was making at the time and he said they pay me 335 an hour to do a job and I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability and so from there my mom and dad they both were extreme workers they've been uh, you know people that you could depend on and that's kind of where it came from. Did you work when you were a kid? You paper route? Uh, well, I was, I, you know, I worked for the city. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I started when I was 14, working with the city uh, and just kind of, I've always, you know, been a worker. So, it, trust me, I, I couldn't have played college football if I wasn't in the weight room, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, as a GM and coach, lots on your plate, obviously. Tell me about your average work day. Uh, during the season, on a regular season day, not a game day, but just a regular practice day, what's your work like? What time do you get in? Yeah, do do? I mean, you know, I've got an assistant right now that's actually going to come in with me. We uh, Normally I'll get in around 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, and it used to be earlier than that. I just can't get up the, as early as I used to, it seems. But we get in around 4, and I, and I, you know, look at my emails and do all that kind of stuff, and then from 5 to 6 work out. And, you know, and then, of course, then it becomes the film and the organizational part with the coaches. Coaches usually roll in around 6, 6.30. And, uh, and then we'll go through our day with practice and all that kind of stuff. And then we usually get out of here around, I'd say around, you know, between 7 and 9, usually – more nine than it is seven, you know. And uh, as the week wears on, you can go home a little earlier. And uh, and then, of course, once, you know, game time's here, it's uh, it's time to take a little deep breath, get ready to roll. So you work from four in the morning till nine at night most yes. days? Yeah. Wow. When do you sleep? Uh, well, from – I guess between nine and from, four. From 9.30 <laughs> when I get in the bed till, till time to go next morning, you know. And, again, it's uh, – very simple. I mean, all my clothes are in that building right there. You know, I don't have any any clothes at my apartment. I mean, uh, I'm here for one thing, and that's to coach football. I'm guessing the clothes all are black. They're too? all like this. Yeah. All like that. Yeah. How did that start? Uh, you know what? I read a, a deal with uh, the guy from Facebook. It's kind of like uh, you know, the less that you have to choose from, it's like you've got so many other decisions to make during the day and black matches everything you can put black with blue jeans or you can put black with this gear here and it just makes it a lot simpler so uh i just kind of you know adopted that you know uh from from reading that article so three forty-five in the morning you're looking at your closet going i think i'll wear the black today yeah we're, we're, makes, we're black makes it easy makes it easy right <laughs> nice uh coaching gm do you split up the day do you, do you spend some time, i got to do this as a GM, and then I'll do this? Yeah, you know, I mean, you got to get your roster set. You know, that's the thing. I mean, we've been down there this morning hammering through our roster from, the, you know, deciding, you know, who's going to get what reps, you know, and how, and uh, who's going to be at what position and how, and, and how many reps will they get at that position. And we've got some guys that are going to be dual role. If he can't play receiver, he maybe can play DB. And vice versa, if he can't play three technique, maybe he can play offensive tackle. So we're looking at, at uh, multiple uh, positional type players. 
And uh, so you have to spend enough time going through that with your staff and having to, you know, look at it yourself and, and uh, decide exactly what your plan will be. And uh, so that's the first thing that you do. And then, and then you go on. When the coaches come in, then you can shift gears to the football. Yeah. I, you, you obviously, you learned the GM craft in Saskatchewan after you left here after, after 15. Uh, so you had two years as a head coach here. Uh, I think it was three in Saskatchewan. Uh, head coach and GM. You went to the NFL, worked right. there with Cleveland for a couple of years. From 14 when you arrived here to 22 as you start a new season, how different are you? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, you got you to gotta understand I've been around some good people to backtrack. I mean, you know, uh, I was fortunate to be around Don, who, yeah, Don wasn't technically the GM, but he was very heavily involved in what we did personnel-wise. So I was fortunate at a young age to be able to, you know, be – under a guy like that. Then I went with, you know, Huff. I mean, and Huff was, he was GM head coach. And so I got to see how, how Huff did things. And Jim Barker was there at the same time. Uh, two really good personnel guys who've had a great careers, learned a lot from those type guys. And then, and then moved into a role where, you know, I had a little bit more say. So I, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is, is a lot like those other organizations have done in the past. So with that being said, I mean, where I was at 14 to where I am now, it's a little bit, um, I, won't, I won't say easier, but I've been down that road and I've made, I've made mistakes. And so I'm able to maybe not make quite as many mistakes as what I've done in the past. Do you still get fooled by stuff, whether it be in-game or managerial-wise? After you've been doing it for so long, do you still get surprised? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, every – because if there was a foolproof way of doing it, like we'd write it down and like we would be able to, to sell it, you know, yeah. make a lot of money. So I, there's not really a foolproof way. I mean, because one year you may try something and it worked and you think it's good. And then the next year it doesn't work so well. So, I mean, it's both in coaching and in personnel. So I think every year is its own entity and we just have to kind of, you know, make the decisions. And then once we make the decisions, that's what it is. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And, and like I say, I think the, the advent of the, the analytics has made some of the decisions uh, a little bit more concrete, and I think that that, that allows us to, uh, to do things the right way. How deep do you get into the analytics of football? I'm pretty heavy. I've yeah. been pretty heavy. I mean, Doug Berry, uh, Mike Smith actually back in when I was in college ball, you know, it seems like another life ago at Tennessee Tech. I mean, he's the first one that introduced me to the analytics analytical part of the game. Uh, then when I, I went to uh, Montreal, uh, met Doug Berry. Doug Berry was heavily involved analytically and breaking the film down, that type of thing. And and then it just kind of migrated from there. And uh, and that's I was pretty heavily involved, you know, analytically in the uh, in the stuff that we did in Cleveland. You know, it wasn't just coaching, um, but. Like I say, it's it's a heavy part of our game these days. I want to talk about Cleveland a little bit. Just get your take. We've seen hundreds of players come through here, and their dream is to play in the NFL. Right. They're playing here to get film to go to the NFL, right? That's right? Is it the same for a coach? Once you've decided you're a career coach, is is the NFL the spot? And when you got the opportunity, was it kind of a situation? I got to take it because I don't know if it's ever going to come again. Well, the thing is, when you're you know like when a kid grows up here. His, he's probably going to play in HL hockey, you know. So same thing as a player down there or as a kid down there, you grow up, you know, you're going to be the next Joe Namath or Joe Montana or that's that's just what it is, you know. And then when uh, when you figure out that you're, you're not very tall and you're not very fast and you're not very shifty, that maybe coaching is a better avenue for you to stay in football, uh, you know, 
it's how do I how do I become you know Bill Belichick? How do I be the how do I become the Bill Parcells that type thing? And so the challenge of of trying to be at the pinnacle of the game, I mean, is was certainly attractive. And and like I say, I've been there, I've done that, and you just don't realize. And I told these kids out here on this field the other day, uh, CFL is an out not not a good game. It's an outstanding game, and and I say that. I mean, it's. Uh, there's so much tradition here. Yeah, yeah. The money, money in the NFL is the money in the NFL, but money ain't everything. And the thing is, we've got such an outstanding game. Got great players. Got great following. This stadium has seen so many great players. Giro and I were in the locker room out here talking yesterday, like all the great players that are around our locker room. And it's, uh, you know, and here you are. Here we are, essentially at the top of the organization and and able to do it, man. It just kind of gives you cold chills, you know. And uh, we're just very fortunate. Back to Chris Jones in a moment. Coming up tomorrow, though, from Winnipeg, it's the Elks' first preseason game of the year. You can hear it on Chorus Radio. 6.30 is kickoff time from Winnipeg as the Elks play the Blue Bombers. Pre-game show will start with myself, Dave Campbell, and Brendan Escott coming to you at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The Elks, of course, will play their first and only home preseason game the following week. That's on June the 3rd when they play host of the Calgary Stampeders. This will be a very important football game for a lot of reasons. The football's important, but what's going on at the game also important. The Elks have uh, dubbed this night uh, Stand with Ukraine night. It's going to be a special night for sure. $15 tickets across the board uh, for the game against the Calgary Stampeders, and all the proceeds from that game will be donated to the Canadian Ukraine Foundation. Chris, I want to read you something, and I want to get your response to this. Nestled in the foothills of the South Cumberland Mountains on the banks of the Tennessee River. <laughs> What is that to you? Uh, that's home, you know. Yeah. That's that's home. I mean, that's uh, you know, right where I'm from is South Pittsburgh. I'm very proud of where I'm from, and uh, you know, uh, and I love it. I mean, uh, my my house is right in the middle of town there, and it's uh, that's home for us. Yeah, that's from the uh, clearly Chamber of Commerce from yeah. South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, what was it like growing up there? Yeah, it was a small town. You know, I mean, it's uh, not a lot of money. You know, everybody's kind of you. Uh, you don't know you're poor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get out and you play ball, you play basketball, and uh, you play football in the fall, you play basketball in the winter, and you play baseball, you know, in the in the summer, and uh, and that's really all there is. And uh, cast iron, you know, there's a cast iron factory there, and that's uh, that's kind of what we do. I looked up uh, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, on the on Wikipedia. The thing that caught my mind was the National Cornbread Festival. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, well it's uh it's a festival. Like I say, cast iron started there in, in the eighteen hundreds and it's something that's still there today. It's the it's the only actually there's only two places that make cast iron, you know, they produce it's uh, one place in China and South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. And so probably if you look at the bottom of your cast iron pot it's gonna say you lodge. And so, with that being said, they, they started a, uh, a festival there uh, about 20, 20 something years ago. And what it does, it, it brings people to the town. It, it makes a lot of money for the town. And uh, the lady that runs it's, you know, a good friend of mine. And, and uh, you know, everybody comes together that one time a year to work together to try to, you know, es- essentially make money for our town. And uh, it's a good deal. And the cornbread's good, I assume? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, how did you first get involved in football? What 
do you remember a day where you picked up a football or you saw a game and you said, this is for me? Yeah, I started when I was in sixth grade. I'd played baseball prior to that. I'd played junior, what they used to call junior pro basketball. And, and a lot of my buddies were starting to play, you know, they call it little league football down, down south. And so they were starting to play little league football. And so essentially I went out because my buddies were playing. And uh, I played offensive guard. I wore number 75. I was a really – <laughs> and you're running around, you're not hitting anybody because you don't know, you know, you don't know how to hit people yet, you know. And and so, uh, but eventually you learn how to, you know, to you accelerate through a guy and and you learn to hit, you know, and, and hit properly. And, and then it just went from there, you know, the, the aggressive part of the game was something that I loved and uh, eventually was able to work into a position where I touched the football and then it became even more fun for yeah. me, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you know Eddie Moore? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Eddie's Eddie's uh, the only guy to ever get drafted uh, into the NFL from our from our area or from our hometown there, and uh, a very big supporter of the football program there. And uh, he he was a great athlete. Back to Wikipedia, the, the the South Pittsburgh, Tennessee Wikipedia page lists notable people from there. It's you, Eddie Moore, and some film star. Silent film star who was born in the 1800s. That's, that's right. It. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's, is, I guess it tells you about football in that town when two of the three most famous people from that town are football people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they love football. They won the state this past year. You know, they won their, their seventh state championship, and, I, um, and they're going to be very good again. They always are very good. There's, uh, there's tons of really good players, uh, and they love football. I think that's the key is the fact that how much they love the game. You had a brief trip back there to coach last year. What yeah. was that like getting involved in, in, in high school football again there? Well, again, I mean, my, my house is two blocks from the school, and it was something that, that again, I, I'm very proud of the program, love the program, and, and uh, it, was, it was a big challenge for me. Uh, it was a, a, a bigger challenge than what I'd realized, you know, I guess socially for, for myself. But uh, it was uh, helping the kids is the main thing. You know, I've, I've helped a lot of kids get in school, and, and I'm going to continue to do that, use my, use my contacts to try to help those guys get, get out of South Pittsburgh and go do something other than stay there, if they, you know, if they can. That's great. Do you call it the red zone, the blue zone, the green zone, the go zone? What do you call it? Oh, when, if, it's yeah. hard to which side of the yeah. field. Like, if we're, if we're on defense, it's the red zone. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the green zone for our offense. It's, so. it's, it's funny. No one talks about it from a defensive yeah. perspective except right. for a defensive coordinator, right? So, right. all right, now, on, here on Antler Up, we call it the red zone. And it's the last three questions I'm going to ask you as, as we get out here today. Uh, first CFL game you ever saw? Uh, right here on this field. Really? Yep. I was You're here coaching as, I was here as a guest coach, and we played BC, and uh, – and it was uh, it was fun to be involved in. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was I think 1999 or so. Don Don Matthews was the head coach, and I came up, drove up, uh, and uh, took forever to get here, and was able to stay I don't know three weeks or so as a guest coach, and it was right here on this field. That was in Montreal then. So you you drove from South Pittsburgh to Montreal for training camp? Oh no no no. I mean I drove here. Oh you were here. I drove here and guest coached and like night I was coaching at Tennessee Tech. Okay, so you were, we, coach, you were you were guest coach with the Double E. That's right. I never knew that. Before. Yeah, I, I was a, I before. was a guest oh. coach for Don. And uh, and that's how it all yeah. started. My my love of the game. Oh. I remember driving up here and looking at this stadium for the first time. I mean, it's like my God, you know, such a you know. And again, it's like seems like yesterday, but it's been a long time. Yeah, wow, it's symmetrical for your career for sure. All right, uh, second question: most memorable football game you've ever been a part of? Man, there's there I I can't name that. You know, uh, I mean, there's been so many you know 
great games. You know, I mean, the, the you know, the Grey Cups are all. I mean, there's there's four Grey Cup wins and three Grey Cup losses, and I mean, the ones that stick with me are the ones where I did something. You know, I didn't have a good call or end up you feel like you can do something for the rest of your life to have won the overtime game and you know nbc so i don't know there's just so many big games that it's it's too tough to say one all right last one for you uh best place you go to unwind and, and don't uh, say the video room to watch more film yeah well <laughs> uh, again <laughs> my office is real nice you know the lights are kind of off and just kind of relaxing in there but i Really don't really, you know, I, right now I'm staying at the hotel, so that's really the only two places that I'm I'm at, you know, is the hotel and, and right here in my office. I'm adding one more. When was the last vacation you had? Uh, hmm, uh, that's the wrong answer right there if you can't yeah, remember it. I, I don't know. Like a, uh, that's a good my, – my daughter plays volleyball, and so I'm able to go on those trips yeah. to volleyball, and those have been some very – very fun times, you know. I I tell you when it was. My my oldest daughter went to Europe, uh, and we were able to go to Europe for the first time to England and uh, Paris, I think it was, you know. So that was the last, I guess, trip trip that we took. But, but like I say, then the volleyball trips are every weekend, you know, going somewhere to try to watch volleyball. So well, your only upcoming trips are road trips. Yeah, uh, starting uh, uh, in uh, in the month weeks. of May with a, a trip to Winnipeg uh, as right. the preseason starts. Chris, thanks for your time, man. It was great to talk you to know you. It, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Well, that's it. Episode one of Antler Up. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Elks general manager and head coach Chris Jones. Now, here's the schedule for Antler Up. I'll remind you again, we're going to have a new podcast available for you every week, all season long. It will come out the day before every game. So be sure and join us. Why don't you like and subscribe? Do it right now. Like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. My name is Morley Scott. We'll see you next time on Antler Up. Antler Up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. James Wilder Jr.'s got a pair. Oh, he's got a man wide open. Mike Jones has it inside the 10. He'll walk the dog to the end zone. Antler Up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks.